Welcome to the WILD podcast. Inspire people, support others' growth and create a meaningful life. That's the mission of this podcast and I welcome you to the community. Since you are listening to this right now, I suspect you are a curious soul who loves expanding your own horizon, learning about other people's authentic life choices and getting inspiration to put into action what you are passionate about. This is another solo episode and today's topic is the practice of therapeutic fasting, that is, fasting in the context of health and well-being. Before we start, a brief disclaimer is necessary. The content of this episode is purely informational in nature and does not intend to provide a health advice or promise. The following information is based on personal research or personal experience. Please consider consulting a doctor for professional medical advice before trying fasting practices yourself. The name of this podcast, WILD, is a composition of the words why and wild, like you might have guessed. The wild part is dedicated to people being authentic, being bold and true to themselves. The why part is related to the wonderful delight one can experience when exploring people's why behind their actions and choices. The choices of a lifestyle, a hobby, a professional endeavor or a mindset. Today it's about my personal why behind a seemingly weird choice. The choice to spend a precious week of vacation and money in a way that does not resemble most people's idea of a perfect holiday. By fasting instead of feasting. I've done this twice so far, five days in Thailand and seven days in Northeast Germany. When I tell people about my fasting retreats, I'm usually met with a mix of curiosity, disbelief and ridicule. Yes, fasting is not the most intuitive thing to do in a world of indulgence and abundance. Yet, it is a method that has been part of many societies and religions for a long time, for a reason. It offers a plethora of health benefits, it helps regain perspective on what we truly need in life and enhances our perception of the pleasure that small things, like the taste of an apple, can give us. Not just the immediate physical effects potentially extend beyond the actual fasting period. Oftentimes, fasting is the starting point for lifestyle and diet adjustments or bring about other changes in people's lives. I'd like to bring fasting as a topic closer to people and help bust a couple of myths. I'm not trying to convince you to try it, I'd simply like to expand your awareness around this topic. So let's start by clarifying, what does fasting even mean? Fasting is the conscious renouncement of foods to various degrees for a certain period of time. The time frame may span a couple of hours, as is the case for example with intermittent fasting or with fasting during the day in the period of Ramadan, or it can last for a couple of days or even weeks. Therapeutic fasting differs from religiously motivated fasting practices in that its primary focus is to cleanse the body and reap health benefits for the body, mind and soul. The common aim is to purify the body, allow it to let go of toxins and other substances restore health and prevent disease. Therapeutic fasting is the type we will focus on in this episode. Various methods for therapeutic fasting exist. 
They differ with regards to what substances are supposed to be digested during the fasting period. In the case of pure water fasting, one does consume nothing but water during the entire fasting period. A different approach is taken within the frame of Buchinger fasting, in that one is allowed to drink herbal teas, vegetable broth, fruit and vegetable juices and even some honey in restricted amounts. Buchinger fasting was invented by the German doctor Otto Buchinger, who was born in the late 19th century. Being plagued by severe joint rheumatism, Buchinger searched for methods that could bring him relief. He attained that desired relief by undergoing a fasting retreat. Spurred on by this success, he later opened up his own fasting clinic and greatly influenced the national and international fasting culture with his impactful method and research. So, what is this mysterious practice all about? Is it really all that beneficial for one's health? Or is it charlatanism and even dangerous after all? One thing is certain, there are many myths around fasting. So let's take the time and examine some of the questions people tend to ask. Number one, do people fast to lose weight? And does it work? Sure, after not eating for a couple of days, your scale will inevitably show a lower number. The digestive tract alone normally carries some weight at all times. This weight will be missing after emptying your system and not refilling it with new food. So the answer is yes, you will lose weight. However, fasting is not the best method for losing weight sustainably. Depending on their dietary practices after fasting, people tend to regain the weight lost quickly. Yet, it is not uncommon for people to change their habits after the experience of fasting and reflecting their relationship to foods as well as other factors, such as coping with stress and physical exercise. This, of course, may result in long-term effects on their weight, among other benefits. Number two, fasting is simply not eating, right? As I said earlier, fasting could mean that you do without food, but apart from that, you go about your days as usual, without cutting out or adding anything else. However, there are many other components you could potentially add to your fasting for a more wholesome experience. Some of them are Media fasting Locking out emails, social media, Netflix and the like. Reflecting Taking time to wind down, to turn inwards, see what comes up and perhaps write this down in a journal. Listen to your body, thoughts and emotions rather than the outside world. Being in nature, going for walks, for a swim, for some yoga, for any kind of physical activity really. Sweating out still rubble in the sauna or helping your body reset through massages. Stop putting anything potentially harmful onto or into your body for a while, like chemicals and cosmetics, processed foods or environmental toxins. Colonic irrigation, yes, that's right. Cleansing from the outside in and to the inside out. Also, fasting requires preparation beforehand as well as a gradual ramp up phase afterwards, including less stress, no alcohol, no caffeine, less sugar, no meat, fish, eggs, etc. Number three, why do it on vacation? 
Vacation is for feasting, not fasting. And why pay for a course? While fasting can definitely be done at home and while people continue following their usual routine, including work, study, childcare or whatever keeps them busy normally, there are striking advantages to taking dedicated time off and even leaving one's usual surroundings. Some of them are fasting is about a holistic reset. So it helps to be out of your normal environment, free from work obligations, free from chores, free from social stresses. After all, how can you surrender to the process if you try to hold on to and maintain control of your everyday life? You might experience increased emotional volatility and vulnerability. Hence, you might want to have less stress, a safe space to process emotions and time to reflect. You might experience increased sensitivity to all kinds of sensory input. Hence, your everyday life environment, especially if it is in a busy city with all the traffic, noises, advertisement and the like, these sources of input as well as other people might be a little too much for your nerves. During your fast, you should be active, exercising at least lightly, preferably outdoors, enjoying nature and getting fresh air. So fasting courses usually take place in a beneficial environment, close to the sea or other bodies of water, in the mountains, in the countryside. If that sounds like your home, well lucky you, others need to travel for this. Fasting especially if doing it for the first time, can be scary. It is an unknown, extreme physical, mental and emotional experience. Some people just love it right away and do not struggle at all. Others experience severe physical discomfort or challenging emotional and mental states. Each person is different. Each day can be different. And each time fasting might bring a completely new experience. No matter what comes up for you, being together with a group of people as well as an experienced fasting instructor provides comfort, allows for exchange and guidance. During my second time fasting, the first time fasting for seven days, I was hit by a wave of heavy physical discomfort in the mornings of day two and three. In this situation, I had been glad for the presence of the instructor who shared how what I was experiencing was not uncommon and explain to me what happened inside the body. This gave me perspective and a way to judge whether I had to worry about myself or just relax into the fasting process. Number four, is fasting not unhealthy? Some people think that fasting is bad because it prevents the body from being fueled with the right nutrients. While prolonged malnutrition is a serious problem, temporary fasting is not known to lead to the severe depletion of important nutrient depots. Instead of being unhealthy, decades of studies have shown clear indications of incredible health benefits that come along with fasting. During fasting, the organism is exposed to existential stress, the stress due to food deprivation and, potentially, impending starvation. This triggers autoregulatory responses that scientists believe to be responsible for the therapeutic effects. Only one of these effects is that inflammation is reduced. And inflammation plays a vital part in many of our so-called lifestyle diseases. 
Among the medical conditions that have been scientifically shown to improve through fasting are allergies, asthma, diabetes type 2, rheumatoid arthritis, chronic cardiovascular diseases, chronic pain, psychosomatic diseases, depression and other mental illnesses, cancer. A very interesting fact about cancer and fasting is it's been shown that by fasting two to three days prior to chemotherapy, the side effects are eased and the effectiveness of chemotherapy against the cancer is increased. This is due to the fact that normal healthy cells are evolutionarily equipped to respond to fasting, while cancer cells are not. As a consequence, cancer cells are more vulnerable and thus responsive to chemotherapy afterwards, while healthy cells in the body are better protected against the toxins of the treatment. At this point, I would like to repeat my introductory disclaimer. While there is a substantial body of scientific research that reports benefits of fasting for people with these and other conditions, I cannot and do not intend to make any promises here. Also, you should definitely talk to an expert before trying out extended fasting, especially if you have any medical preconditions. There are conditions that suggest one might better refrain from fasting, and a medical professional can help you identify these. Number five, aren't you hungry all the time? Well, the common opinion is that one does not experience hunger. This is due to the fact that a fast usually starts with drinking water in which a substance called glaubersalt, G-L-A-U-B-E-R, salt, has been dissolved. This drink makes you flush out the contents of your bowels in one hell of an hour. And yes, one of the side effects of fasting with a group of people is that you will have lost any shame and inhibition to talk about the affairs of your bowels by day two. Promise. Anyway, where was I? Well, once your digestive system has been emptied out, the physical sensation of hunger is mostly gone. This does not mean, though, that your appetite and fantasies about food vanish. Far from. Through fasting, I have become an expert at salivating for food that only exists in my vivid imagination. And since I am already reporting on my personal experience here, let me stir up your worry by confessing I cannot confirm the absence of hunger during fasting. I was visited by hunger regularly throughout the entire seven-day fast last year. But the fantasies, they were worse. Number six. So what exactly happens to my body while fasting? First of all, there are different stages of fasting. Let's go through them step by step. Stage one. While some people might not ever get to later stages, depending on the duration of their fast, stage one is an experience everyone shares. The challenging one to three days of starting out. This is when the body needs to adjust to the unusual situation of being denied food. This might be accompanied by nausea, dizziness, hunger pangs, low energy, irritability and negative mood. Additionally, one might experience side effects due to the withdrawal from caffeine or sugar, depending on whether or not one stopped consuming such stimulants a bit before starting the fast. What happens on the cellular level is that the body is faced with the necessity to find an alternative energy source. 
Normally, the energy comes from breaking down glucose it receives from food. In a process called gluconeogenesis, it starts converting non-carbohydrate materials like lactate, amino acids and fats into glucose. Stage 2. Usually around day 3, the physical challenges are gone for the most part as the body finally transitions into the fasting metabolism, that is, ketosis. In ketosis, the body uses stored fat as its primary energy source. Apart from the weight loss effect, there is another grand benefit to getting rid of fat reserves. The body secures toxic substances like toxic metals inside its fat storages so that they do not run freely inside the body and create damage. During ketosis, such toxins are safely expelled from the body as fat reserves get used up. This is also why many people add practices like sauna, colonic irrigation and the like to their fasting routine in order to support their bodies and flushing out all the bad stuff. Ketosis can actually be brought about and maintained without fasting by sticking to a ketogenic diet. But this would be a different topic and shall therefore only be mentioned here. In order to stay in this fasting metabolism, one may not take in more than approximately 300 calories per day. This is why a little bit of juice or broth is fine. Stage 3. After around day 7, fasters who stick around until that point may reach what people look forward to, the so-called fasting high. This is when the mood lifts and people experience abundant energy and mental clarity. This effect settles in as the body fully adjusts to fasting and the digestive system comes to a rest. This boost in energy and clarity may last even for weeks after breaking the fast. It is a really cool reward for all the days of renouncement, discipline and potential hardship. Speaking of breaking the fast, let's move on to our final question. Number 7. After breaking the fast, one can make up for all the lost calories and nutrients by tucking in vigorously, right? Mm, no. After fasting, the body needs to slowly and carefully get used to processing food again. One should definitely step away from eating too much food too fast. This could even be dangerous. My fasting instructor told me a story of a man who went to have a big schnitzel the day after he broke his fast. This might have brought his taste buds short-term bliss, but got him in the hospital right after. Animal products should be avoided completely for a couple of days. And of course, after having proven to oneself that one can actually do without sweets, alcohol, caffeine and other such substances, why return to old habits as soon as possible rather than looking to sustain the newfound healthy habits for a little longer or even long term? Well, I bet now you probably know much more about fasting than your pals do. So what's your verdict? I'm curious to know what aspects surprised you and whether my little introduction to fasting put you off entirely or got you intrigued instead. One way or the other, here are some key takeaways for you. First, fasting is certainly an interesting opportunity to experience and learn about oneself in an extreme situation. Second, without promising any positive health effects in your individual case, at least I want to say that it is 
fairly possible that you might experience immediate or secondary benefits for your physical, mental and emotional state. Third, in any case, I believe that a fasting experience will change you and your outlook on life in one way or the other. Fourth, there are many ways to try fasting. For example, starting intermittent fasting or fasting for a few days on your own, in a fasting seminar or in a clinic. Like I said, make sure you check for any health risks in your particular case before starting. And fifth, there are a lot of resources out there to give extensive information on the topic. To start with, you might want to check out a great documentary produced by RT, a French-German TV channel. You can find the link in the show notes or blog. Thanks for your curiosity and please, as always, feel free to take away from this episode what feels precious to you. Is there any topic you would like us to cover in the future? Or do you personally know anyone whose story you think should be heard here? Please let us know. I hope you are looking out for your body, mind and soul, whether through fasting or any other means. I'm looking forward to speaking to you next time. Until then, live wildly.